Okay, so welcome to my podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Mercury. Let me take you on a journey of my experience living in a third world country. In the coming episodes, we're going to talk about everything from culture to business, self-improvement, and lots of other amazing topics. We're also going to have guests to share their experiences as well. So grab your headsets and enjoy the ride. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the live recording of Living in a Third World Country podcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Macri, and today we have a special guest, one of the youngest female pilots, licensed female pilots in the world, Boitumelo Katisi. She is, uh, she's 27 years old. She's a pilot from Soweto. Hola. Hey, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. No, I'm good, thank you. <laughs> you look good in your uniform. <laughs> thank so, you very much. Yeah, so let's, let's get my listeners, uh, just tell them a bit about yourself. Okay, um... Oh, okay. Uh, my name is Steve. Uh, I'm a commercial pilot, Toya, uh, and I'm currently training towards my instructor's rating, so flight instructor's rating, um, so that I can teach other people how to fly um, before I actually venture off into the airline. And I'm um, one of the founders of Aviation Development in Africa. Um, which is a non-profit organization that focuses on aviation to kids from underprivileged areas in the rural areas. And yeah, I think in a nutshell, that's me. And yeah. Wow. Wow. So how how did you get started with aviation? How did it all start? Um, yeah, I started when I actually went to SAA. And I got to see planes up front like for the very first time. Okay. And that's where like the kitchen bug fit me. And from that moment onwards I knew that this is what I wanted to become. I wanted to become a pilot and I never looked back and that's one thing that I went for. How how old were you? You're ten. Sixteen. Yeah, I was a board pilot. So before then, before then, what what did you want to be? Yeah, um, it's between a doctor, a medical doctor. Okay. Um, that was like my first first choice, and from there, then I discovered architecture and engineering, and that's where I fell in love with actually um, civil engineering and architecture and interior designing at a later stage. But then, as soon as I actually fell in love with aviation, I was like, this is what I want to do. And then, from that moment, like I said, I never looked back. Um, here I am now. Wow. Wow. Like, uh, for me, when I was little, I think most of the people in Africa, when you're little, you're like, uh, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. Like, those are the mainstream but to, but to turn away from that and i think yeah. the, ex, the exposure exposure to the planes did a lot because i don't think I, I ever thought about aviation because i was i was just not exposed to that i watch movies 
about astronauts and I wanted to be an astronaut when I was little. Yeah, but then, oh well, <laughs> the rest is history. Well, so when you when you decided that you were going to be a pilot, when you decided at 16, like what are some of the goals you set for yourself at that, at that young age? Uh, first and foremost was to get more information because I didn't have that information. All I knew is that I want to become a pilot, but I never knew where you need to go to study to become one. So the first goal was to get as much information as I can um, about the industry and where I have to go to study and what, in, what it entails actually becoming a pilot because we know that aviation is a a career that's not easily accessible uh, for many of us, uh, especially as Africans. Uh, you know, like it's, 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 it's something that you need to be very informed about um, before you even make the decision that I want to become a pilot. So the first goal was getting the information, and once I had the information, it's where do I go, which training school is best for me that I think, you know, like to take. And after that it, it, it came to a point that you know you, you get that all that information that you need. You get information on different schools, and then um, you get you get um, obviously when you go to a school they give you a cost estimate of the course, and oh, yeah, so it was a lot of money. So the other goal was we would like get those funds to actually pay for this course. Yeah, and at at a young age. Saying you want to go into aviation, I don't know. Like, what, what what was your background like? Was it was it was it was it able to complement those goals? Where the finances ready to say, okay, I'm going to be a pilot. Where where your parents ready to back you up? Were they able to? Uh, yo, I'm not a chief girl. Eh? <laughs> um, I'm 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 actually raised by a single mother. Wow. So. Uh, so she, she's self-employed, she's got her own business. And yeah, when I looked at that course, I knew that it's a lot of money, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of money. And we wouldn't be able to like afford all of it. So a miracle would have to come within that training day. So that's when I actually looked up to bursaries. Um, I looked up for information regarding bursaries and sponsorships and, and so forth. And I'm not a genius at math. Um, I, I pushed myself, you know, to do the best I could um, with that matter. And one thing that I can vouch for is that um, more than anything, more than my results and what I achieved and my trip, I'm, I'm not an HD, I'm not, I'm not an Einstein, you know. Okay. I didn't top 10, I did top 10 in high school. So I think more than anything, my passion sold um, me to, you know, people that I approached for funding. Uh, they could they could see what I'm talking about if I said this is what I want to do. They could believe it in me because of the passion. And I think, yeah, apart from that, it was a proper background, but there was no way we could afford like the whole course. Wow. Wow. That that's really like it's. I feel it's something that happens like not all the time, like very few people get that opportunity to find sponsors to back them on their goals without being like overly smart. Because in Nigeria, if you want to do that, it had to be your family members 
either your family members, your friends, friends, friends of your parents. It's very hard yeah. to find like people you don't know or people you're not too close to to sponsor you without you being like very smart. If you're very smart, definitely you get like the chances of you getting a scholarship is, is quite high. There are lots of scholarship opportunities. If you're if you're that good, you get there. But when you're like mid level, not so like Albert Einsteiny, it's it's quite difficult. Yeah, it's quite difficult. And I I read when I was doing my research, I read that your mom, your mom was calling radio stations. What actually happened is uh, I actually went to an aviation camp. Okay. I actually saw them like, right? And um, I actually went solo. So solo is like when you get awarded your first call. Okay. Um, when you actually fly the eggs on your own for the very first time. So what happened is that I actually went solo. Also went solo. There was an opportunity to attend like an adult aviation camp. Um, I think it was a week. And I could be one of the mentors for the girls that were attending in high school, the girls in high school. Um, so this camp was hosted by an aviation organization. Wow. And I got chosen as mentors to actually go to the camp. And what I was doing, obviously you meet different people. And I made a couple of friends, friends who they were like already completed their studies, working on the airlines and so And obviously they want to want to know about your journey and how you how far you are with your clients. Okay. And, you know, it's something I bring up to them just to say, like, um, you know, I'm flying, but, you know, um, financially, uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of um, hardships that I go through in terms of financing and actually being able to complete um, the course. Um, so what I did then, I spoke to one of my friends, um, not knowing that after the camp, she actually wrote to a radio station. Oh, wow. One of the local ones. And they have this thing called a Christmas wish, right? Every year. Okay. So they choose a couple of people that send them requests um, based on what your Christmas wish is, is and they, they make it true. So she wrote to the radio station um, on my behalf to get sponsored with my training. And it was one of the wishes that the radio um, station actually acknowledged. And wow. that's when they actually called me and they... It surprised me, though, about two companies that actually um, funded my commercial pilot license that sponsored me towards this. So that's how it actually came about. Wow. So it was a Christmas wish. You say again? Say, so it was, a, it was a Christmas wish. Yeah. Wow. Like, that's that's like a one-in-a-lifetime one opportunity. A one-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yeah. So did they did they take care of like half of the fees or they covered everything? Uh, they actually cover you. It's like the, the money that you require is lying in each them. Okay. So nothing about that. So that money that oh. went directly to the to, um, in terms of what I still need to do to get to a commercial private license later. Oh, okay, okay. That's that's nice. And then you, you started an NGO. Okay, um, so the nonprofit organization, the name is Aviation Development in Africa. And the reason why we um, started this is me and a co-founder um, being chosen. So we actually came together and then we, we thought, we used to do like a lot of um, 
deviation awareness to the different organizations, you know. Okay. And what we used to do is basically build self-support with the kids. So it's like an advanced state of play for the kids. And most of these kids still never knew the fundamentals to do the aviation, you know. And for me, that's something that stuck out because um, we have those kids that come and then they come to the state that they don't know the dynamics and everything to do with aviation. Um, so that might just um, actually came up with the idea like, let's, let's, let's have an organization that can give these kids like, the necessary information that's needed in aviation, like the foundation. And we mustn't only focus on piloting, we should focus on a lot of other careers in aviation because a lot of people, when they look at aviation, the first thing they think about is pilots, um, flight attendants, and air traffic controllers, where there's 13 more other careers um, apart from those three. So when we registered the organization, um, we actually made the, prim the primary vision and mission is that we take aviation to the people, so to kids in underprivileged areas, kids in villages and so forth that don't have access to this information where we come and give them that information so that, you know, they can also dream. They can dream far beyond their surroundings, their background and where they're from. And they can see that it's actually possible to become an astronaut. It's actually possible to become a pilot. It's actually possible to become anything that I want to be, as long as I put my mind to it. But the most important thing, before you even think of that, is information. You need information to be able to see yourself in these places. And that's where APA comes in, where we, we give these kids a sense of vision and like we tell them that you can become anything that you want to be. You don't have to succumb to your background and where you're from and things that are happening in the village. You don't have to become a teacher, you don't have to become a nurse or a policeman. Those are like the top three careers that they promote these kids. And you know, they can become so much more. Go out there, go out to the village, go do something great and come back and give back to that's another thing that we practice, give back to the communities, give back to people that don't have um, those resources that you have, you know. So, yeah, that's basically what aviation development in Africa does. And our long-term mission is to be able to fund these kids. Um, because most of them are from um, backgrounds that can't afford um, for the training and so forth. So I can't also check that um, it's from a very... Um, poor background and um, promoting them to become a pilot and they do well in school but they struggle to get you know sponsorship, they struggle to get bursaries and you give them that dream but they're not taking off. So we as aviation development in Africa are looking at the long run uh, to be able to um, sponsor these kids who would take we know that you've got this passion with mentally from grade eight or grade nine to ten. And to just follow your passion, we know that if we had to take you to a panel for your interview, you would definitely pass because you're groomed and we've mentored you and we know what to expect. And you won't disappoint us because that's your passion. So that's, that's the long term, the long term dream that we have as a nation development in Africa. Wow. So at the time, it's just in South Africa, right? At the time? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. Uh, just during the okay. Drinks, yeah? but we're definitely going into Africa and the world. I see, I see. That, that is very inspirational. I don't think there's, there are so many people that have made it. Because for me, for me, like the earliest idea I had about flying was pilot, pilot rich. So it's, it's all about the money. 
Yeah, like so it's it's quite hard for you to find someone that has gotten there and is thinking about giving back to the society and doing that for the kids it's really important for aviation in the future because like i said a child won't know what to be except he's exposed to that sort of thing you won't know you want to be a doctor except you see a doctor right so it's yeah, it's yeah it's a good one it's a good one so in your journey in aviation how how has it been as a female is it is it do you think it's harder as a female in aviation than being a male uh you know um there are challenges that we face as females in the industry um first and foremost um a lot of males don't think we can fly them you know wow. um comes to a point where maybe you are actually flying with them and you know you, you can sense that this person doesn't trust or believe in what you're doing uh, because they still have this mindset that females um, don't belong in the cockpit um, we're digging in the kitchen or somewhere else just cooking or doing whatever as an air hostess right the ability to actually fly the aircraft and the ability and obviously there's so many challenges that we face and as a female it comes back to us Five or three times as hard because both accidents. Again, I said as an air hostess, that's what most yeah, yeah. yeah that's what most uh, people see females as. I, I, no, I'm not. Right. Can you hear me? Hello. I think the network is pretty bad. Well. Okay. Yeah, like um, my earliest knowledge about the aviation sector was pilots are for men, pilots are for men, and air hostesses are for women. And the first time I actually heard about a female pilot, I was shocked. Like, I'm not a sexist, but then I just didn't think about that, of females actually flying the plane. I was like, mm, okay. That's cool, but then I can I can see a scenario where it's a male-dominated sector, where it might be harder for females to actually move up the ladder. So, like, how did you? What, what are some of the challenges, and how did you? How did you face them? I mean, uh, there's many. Like I said, there's many challenges with females. You know, uh, it starts it starts from the very beginning where people don't believe. Even people outside of aviation, they don't believe that you would be capable of flying a plane. Um, so that's like the biggest challenge that you have as a female because uh, people don't actually believe and trust your ability. And on top of that thing, because we black, it's, it's another thing because aviation is a very white dominant industry. Um, so black people, we still get uh, kind of, you know, oppressed in our own. Um, way, um, depending on where you are in your training or where you are, it depends on where you Because you're black, you also face that challenge. Uh, because you're female, you also face that challenge where people go to leave your ability to fly. And despite all of that, you know, um, most black people don't have the financial means of funding. So that's another fa a challenge that you will face where it's finance. 
And again, if people don't believe in me and what you're doing, why would they want to invest in you? If you ask me if they help you um, to actually be able to complete your training and so forth, why would I trust you? First, I don't trust you as a female, like a slave. So there's a couple of challenges that you'll face, but it's something that you definitely should work on. Uh, and, uh, you can't do this for money. You can't say you want to fight me because there's a lot of challenges that you're going to face. Even flying a plane itself, it's not easy. The exams that we write easy. But if you've got the passion for it, um, that's actually one thing that will push you through to, to complete your training and to complete whatever that you are, whatever you face in the challenge. Because if you're a person that is out of passion, it's going to be very easy for you to get pushed down to and drop off. Wow. And being in South Africa, I know that. So let's say has a lot of like racial biases, but then like, is it is it very bad? Like how how bad is it the racial side of things because of the color of your skin? Like how bad is it when you're being considered for a promotion? Let's say you're being considered for a promotion. Like how many percentage of that depends on your skin, and what percentage depends on what you bring as a person? Yeah, I mean, um, that you know, we, we, we have we face that everywhere. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Mm-hmm. It's it's so even in the corporate industry there are people that are still facing this way, you know, racial racist for an issue where you, your bosses and everyone don't believe in you just because black, right? And, you know, to get that promotion it's like in flight school. Um, to get our licenses we work twice or three times as hard as and it happens at some places where people like it, like they work eight times as hard to get their licenses. Because um, obviously some people that are training you have this racial thing going on where they'll keep you doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And remember, you went to the school, you can't even afford it at that time. You can't afford flight school. And you go to the school hoping that you can, whatever money that you put in, you can complete your training. And for the first license, it's like you need a minimum of 45 hours to complete that. And you get mostly, um, if I mean, if we had to compile that, you'd see that a lot of black kids actually complete their training after 100 hours and so forth. And it, it happens because there's, there's a lot. I, I can't speak for myself because I've never been in a situation where, you know, people are spoiling my training. But around the people that I'm with sometimes, you know, I... I see them go through these struggles, and it's something that I've seen happening with the black kids that get sold, they get sold to training. They tell you that, no, you're not good enough yet. You need to redo this, you need to redo this. The more you redo it, the more money you spend it. The more money you spend it, the more your hours actually go up. Then you end up not having enough money to go for your training, so now you're left for two or three months without flying because you're trying to get out of funds. You get the funds to come back to training, same thing happens, you run out of funds and you need to go look for funds again, come back and train. And so it's it's, it's a very, it's, it's still something we face, you know, like racist or an issue, um, but it's, it's, it's a minority. It depends on the individual. Not everyone um, experiences that. Not everyone is like that, but we, we still do face it. We can't turn a blind eye. We still do face it. We still do face that. It, it amazes me, actually. Like, it really does. Because 
In Nigeria, I don't think that's a thing. I don't think racism. In in Nigeria, what's the thing is tribalism. So, like, we have... Nigeria is mostly blacks. We're not as diverse as South Africa. But then, within Nigeria, they have different states. And those states have different tribes. And those tribes are different from the other tribes within those states. Like, it's a lot. So, like most of the time if you're in aviation for example i know that if you are from the north or you're muslim you stand a better chance of progressing in aviation compared to if you're christian and you're from the south so i think these biases they do exist like in everywhere regardless whether they are racial or tribal or religious so i think they do exist everywhere so aside aside uh aside race and uh religion and tribe like what are some of the challenges you faced like in your journey as a pilot what are some of the challenges like really tough challenges for people because I have, I have uh, some of my friends from high school, actually, on this life that are pilots as well. So what are some of the challenges yeah. you faced aside racial biases as a pilot? And what, what would you advise for people going through a similar issue? Okay. Um, besides, besides race, um, like I said, before, before anything, your challenge is money as a black mostly because of football. And you know, our our parents are not wealthy, like some of background you like you can't afford it. Your your parents are probably living um from hand to mouth with whatever they, they get and you know, you've got a whole family to support, you know, black taxes much as some people shy away from it. Um, black tax is real. So besides the financial aspect um, of it, like I said, there's bursaries that you can um, apply for. Um, in South Africa, there's about two companies, which is the South African Civil Aviation Authority and TITA, which is the Transport Education um, Training Authority that um, you, can, you can actually apply for bursaries and funding. And apart from that, um, I actually tell individuals to, to actually approach the mayor, the municipality, the government, um, you know, write a motivational letter, um, attach your reports, and see if they can assist because you never know who can assist you, right? And just reach out to different brands and companies around the world, you know? It's a simple thing. You just go to Google, you type a brand, you should get a company site. Company site, you go to contact info, you should get an email where you can email all your things to them because you just never know who might assist you. That's, that's just how things are. And apart from the financial thing, they, like I said, it's the lack of information that people have. And, you know, I've read this a couple of times, even when you are in flight school, a lot of black people, we, we compete, we tend to compete with one another, right? And if you look at most white people, if they're in training school, if they help one another, they assist one another. So if you're struggling with an exam, it's easy for them to send you that information or whatever. But black people, black people tend to become selfish. And you compete with one another because you wanna you whatever you wanna go to before your friend gets to you. And you just appear with your friend just staying behind and and struggling with life for me as if we all form that 
bond where we can help one another. Because and and where we going, we need one another. Because it's not easy. And unfortunately, the airlines, it's where you face these racial things and whatnot more. And that's when you need people that look like you which you so that you can fight um, such situations. But if you're alone, then you're going to struggle alone. Instead of helping everyone that's with you, like to and putting it together, share your information. It's, it's another thing that we need to get together, you know. Even when you hear of opportunities, be able to send them to your friends that you know are qualified and might meet those requirements. Instead of keeping it for yourself and you don't qualify, and we just think the opportunity will just pass by. So that's another challenge that we have. And then there are people that, um, as much as a lot of people would want to become pilots or, you know, you're passionate, um, some people don't have the capability or the ability to fly and take off. It happens. You get people that join flight school, they join the school, and they, they do their training. And once they training, they, they just can't get flying an aircraft, they don't have the ability. And such things, obviously, they even end up having to drop out. So as much as you want to go into aviation or whatever, if you want to become a pilot, it's very important that as much as you pray, you pray to God to get you the ability. Because you might be praying, praying to God to actually give you an opportunity to get funding, become a pilot, and it gives you that opportunity. But once you have that opportunity, you don't have the ability to find income. It's very important to, to pray that you also get the ability to do whatever it is that you're going for, so that when that opportunity comes, you know that you've got, you've got that thing, you know, you can do it. So, yeah, some challenges that um, some people challenge with the exam, the theory, um, side when it comes to flying. So, obviously, like I said, if we form groups and we can share information and you don't mind helping somebody and tutoring them and whatever subject you study on, then, you know, you've helped another person. It makes a difference. So I think, you know, those are like the challenges that we face. And I, I know someone asked, um, with the racial side of things, do I think both genders like suffer equally? Um, no, not at all. I think uh, as a female, we suffer more. So, <laughs> I know, I know we usually open, but you know, like you said, pilot is going to be a male thing, right? So for the black male, it might be slightly easier for them to get the female, I don't believe a female should be there. don't believe a female can fly an aircraft. Then, you know, you've got those two challenges against you. The black male at least see a male, and they know that, yeah, you can perhaps do it. And I think that's also another problem that we have in the mechanical, um, aircraft mechanical and aircraft technician. The females, again, they don't think they're capable of fixing it up and whatnot. They think it's more of a male thing. So, yeah, there's a lot of challenges that we still do. Yeah, I think, I think in that aspect of aviation, I think it's even more than being a pilot. I think it would be, be harder to be an engineer than to be a pilot. Yeah, like, because it's, it's seen as a very stressful task, a task that requires manly power and, like, strength and just certain things that they feel ladies are not equipped for. But for me, I always, I always, I always like the fact that when you put a woman in a position where you think she's going to fail, most at times she does like blows everybody out of the water. Like 
<laughs> yeah, like yeah. I don't I don't I don't underestimate females at all. Never. Like if I'm in a competition and I make it to the finals, if I see a girl there, I'll prepare ten times better than I would <laughs> if I if I saw a guy there. Cause she does have something to prove. Like she always has something to prove. That's what most of these airlines don't know. So, but what, 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 what would you say about personal brand? Does personal brand, does it work in, the, in aviation? Does it, like having a good personal brand, does it give you certain, it's like certain leverage? Um, you know, I think your brand as an individual is very important. It's quite um, whatever food you want to get into in life. Because that's who you are, that that wants to present you. And if you ruin it, then it can ruin a lot of opportunities for you. you know? And obviously, um, for some people, it works to their advantage um, because it's got such a good personal brand, and it makes people more accessible to you. And you know, they they kind of welcome you with open arms because they can see everything that you're doing and. It, it really helps um, having a good personal brand. Um, and that's why I tell people, you know, whatever that you post um, on social media, it, 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 it reflects who you are. Because at that moment, you're in your own space, you're very comfortable. That's where you like 100% yourself. And whatever that you post and are sharing at that moment kind of reflects you, your beliefs, and who you are. And there's, there's no such thing of just posting for posting, guys. Whatever that you post, touch you in a way. And be sharing it because it's even whatever that you're posting, right? And I think a lot of people don't get that. And when you apply to corporate and all these companies, what happens is that you do a background check. And what's the best place to know somebody? It's through their social media. And they actually go through all your social media and whatnot. And if you wrote that I'm the, I'm the biggest aviation or biggest engineering, that there is, or I'm this person that I live and breathe, and you know, I live, breathe, and sleep piloting. If I go onto your social media, I should be able to find information related things on it. But if I go in there and I find alcohol and girls, or alcohol and boys and whatnot, then it's very hard for me to believe what you said on your, your resume or your CV or whatnot. So you need to reflect what you tell people. So your branding is very important. Treat it like it's 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 a lost thing because that's who you are. That's that's what represents you. If you're not there, I need to vouch for you with something. And it's so like I I studied business in the university, and when we were learning about uh, human resource and recruitment, there are certain criteria you need to have for them to be able to employ you but yeah. after i left the university yeah and i entered the real world and i was opportune to have certain people at high levels in their organizations around me i got to realize that yeah. it's more about what you can do for some for most of the high paying jobs they don't care about your CV. Most of most of the time, they really don't care about your CV. What can you do? What can you bring? So, at some point, you see them bringing somebody on board that has a lesser qualification, but the person has 
a better presence online. The person has a better LinkedIn following. The person just brings more value to the business. And I think that it's a part of aviation that so many people have neglected. Let's say, for example, you have your pilot and you have a YouTube channel, right? And you are able to get 1 million subscribers. At that point, like, you really don't need your CV. Okay, yes, you need your CV for obvious reasons because it has to do with, I know um, aviation is really strict. The kind of things that, yeah, it's really strict. It's really, it's heavily regulated. But then if you have the entry requirements, uh, that's it for them. As long as you have your license, you have the entry requirements, you will easily beat out most people going for the same position because you have 1.5 million people backing you. And one thing I saw with, uh, there was a story I heard about a taxi driver that got famous online. Companies were just paying him to drive their cars. I had Lyft pay, paid him about one point something million to drive, to just drive for a trip. So the more value you can bring to a company will increase your ability to succeed in aviation. And for people of skin and color, I would, I would strongly recommend you have a good personal brand. You, have, you need to be up to date on TikTok, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, because you already have a culture behind you. You might not have the connections a white kid might have, but you have the culture. And once you have culture working for you in a place like TikTok, you're going to gather a lot of followers fast. And companies like Lufthansa, they do want, like they want that. They would want a pilot that is famous on TikTok showing a video of him boarding and taking off a Lufthansa airline because it would give them massive publicity and to save them a bunch in media and other spending. Well, it's 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 pretty it's pretty nice. It was pretty nice talking to you. It was it was such an eye opener and what what let, let's just say let's say you're in a room with people that are about to leave aviation school. Let's say you're in a room with people that are about to leave aviation school, what would you tell them about life after aviation school? Okay, um just to, just to follow up on um, what you're just saying now with personal branding thing and everything, you know, um, as much as you a pilot and you have a YouTube channel that has one million views and whatever and you meet a minimum requirement, um, I agree with the person commenting now that, you know, the aviation industry works like differently. As much as that will kind of help you, but it's totally different because for them is your YouTube followers and your following won't fly to the plane. So for them, it's more your ability, your rating, your hours. That's, that's what speaks to them. Your hours, your ratings, and, you know, also your personal conduct. I, I agree that it does have a kind of sense. But remember, 
end of the day, you're not an influencer. You're not selling Mustanza. You're not selling their brand. You know, you, you know that they already have that from uh, Mustanza TV. Day, you know, so it's not all about branding and all of that and aviation. It's, it's it's what's on your CV. That's the, that's the most important thing. And obviously, if they put you in a simulator. Um, you must be able to pass those things, you know. Uh, so it works differently in aviation. As much as it can help you, yeah, it can help you in different things. That can help you in different things because, for one, you are giving um, a lot of people an, an insight to what's happening in aviation, which is really good um, because a lot of people don't have. I think she's still connecting. But then for people commenting that aviation works differently, I get it. Like it's aviation is a highly regulated sector. You really need to have some certain some certain things to be in certain positions. But it was like that in business. You can't be in a certain position if you're not qualified. That's how it was with business. But it changed. Things are always changing. And what I know with brands, our brands will always move towards people that are providing the most compact value. What is your lifetime value for the brand? That's what I know brands always look at. Obviously, Lufthansa doesn't want you crashing their airline because that will give them more worse publicity than you having a million followers or whatever. You do need to know your stuff. You need to apply work. But then neglecting personal brand would be a big, a huge mistake on your part. A huge, a huge mistake on your part. I don't know what's happening. I think I might have to call her back again. Esther, am I still alive? I think it's from me. Guys, uh, the I think the network was terrible. I don't know what happened. It just dropped and everything went out. What what we we're saying was um, personal brand and whether personal brand matters in aviation. Yeah, I think that to a certain degree, yeah, it does because. Aviation, yes, is is heavily regulated, and you need to have certain things to be in certain places. I get it, but that's how it was with business as well. You need to have certain things to be in certain offices until it started changing. It started changing because of social media and brands moving towards the compact value of what you can bring for them not just brands really they want you to be expandable that's the most important thing they want you to be expandable and i don't think it's it excludes aviation as well i think your if you neglect your personal brand it's going to be a big mistake for you you should pay more attention to your skills and flying the plane because obviously you don't want to be in a position where the question if a mistake that happened on the plane was your fault or not. So it was it was nice having you guys here. I couldn't get her to close, but the network. But anyways, it was it was nice having you guys here. Um, the 
podcast episode will be available at the end of the week. It's already the end of the week. <laughs> By next week, Monday, the podcast version will be available. So thank you for joining in. Until next time, look up uh, Living in a Third World Country podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, and every other podcast channel you listen on. Until next time, see you. Bye.